Today's topic, emotional labor, why a woman's work is never done, and what to do about it. Maintaining cleared space in your households require a deep sense of curiosity and awareness. And I have a question for you. Where are your skills in household management? This job that is truly never done, it can really wreak havoc on our health endeavors because we might be working with that when and then mentality. So when I get the kitchen table cleared and the dishes are done, oh, and then I'm going to go throw in a load of laundry, then I'll go for an evening walk. Well, guess what? By the time everything's done, you're exhausted and that walk can wait for another day. When I clean out the kids' closets and run bags to charity and vacuum everyone's clean spaces, then I'll go to the gym. Well, the project took way longer than I expected, and now it's time to get in car line for school pickup. Okay, you get the point. Health can always get pushed to the back burner if we wait for the house to be in order. Because again, it's work that is never truly done. And that is why I bring you Dr. Regina Lark, an organizing and productivity specialist who can help us work through daily tasks, get unstuck, and learn the power of delegation. From the QOD, the queen of delegation herself. Are you intrigued? Stay tuned. Welcome to your Direction Not Perfection bonus episode. I am your host, Lindsay House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, and author. For the past two years, it has been my pleasure to produce podcasts filled with information, success stories, and interviews designed to change the culture of health and fitness. I want to help individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life, change generational thinking, no more all or nothing mentality, get rid of the diets, and believe in the individualized journey. I am so excited to announce that your Direction Not Perfection podcast is expanding into bonus episodes. Episode content and listener exposure continues to be my driving force of motivation. If we don't know what's available to us professionally, we may feel limited in our solutions for change health changes, life changes, career changes, you name it. There will be experts waiting for you to pour their love and wisdom over our community to make sure that we are forever learning and becoming the best versions of ourselves. My clients always say, I know what to do, I just need to do it. But let me leave you with this Chinese proverb, to know and not do is to not know. If this holds true, We should all be forever students and place the highest value on continued learning. Bonus episodes are where it's at. Let's get this interview started. Oh, I am thrilled to introduce you to Dr. Regina Lark today. Our topic is going to be about emotional labor, why a woman's work is never done, and what to do about it. And oh my goodness, are you speaking to the right community today? Welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so appreciative of you asking me to be here with you today. I'm thrilled to have you. We get to start our Monday off together and I'm loving that. It's just a great way to start the week. So many questions for you, but first go back and really dive into how did you end up in this exact spot where you are today with this passion of of emotional labor and declutter and and you go. (laughs) Well, my snarky answer is that I'm really smart. (laughs) That's how I ended up here. Uh, So in 2008, I went to Jerusalem to visit a very good friend of mine. And while I was there, I I called my friend up. She worked at Hebrew University. And I said, Nadra, I don't want to be a tourist today. How about if I do your kitchen? 
And she's like, ah, Habibi, what does that mean? And I said, Nadra, your girls are in their 30s and you've got sippy cups in the cupboard. Just let me do what I do. So I did what I do. It was a good result. And I came back to my desk at my job at UCLA. And I learned one week later that my unit was being dismantled and my position eliminated. Now, that was not necessarily bad news because I had been out looking for jobs prior to that. It was not a good fit for me personally and professionally. And then when I was laid off, I wasn't aware that a recession was just hitting. And so two months into my layoff, I told Ronnie, my roomie, look, I'm going to organize until something better comes along. And nothing has. And I've built this amazing queendom in the last 13 years where I learned about what's happening behind closed doors in, in the homes of women all over Southern California. Most of our clients are women, and we can get into that um, later on. But I would get calls and I would be tasked with, you know, people are calling me because of amazing overwhelm and depression and anxiety. And, and I'm walking into these situations and I'm struck by a couple of things. One, for example, uh, early on, a woman held up something benign. She called me in to help me deal with the clutter from her mom's passing and those things had come to her house and she didn't know what to do. And she held up um, like a, 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 an eyeglasses case. And she said, is it okay if I let this go? This was my mom's. I remember her putting her glasses in and out. And I was so struck with the fact that this person just met me and she's asking my permission to let something go. And I found that fascinating. Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't have asked that question. So I was, I was very curious about that. And then another time, you know, early on, uh, I talked to the client and we, we talk, okay, this is where your mail's going to go. Good place for the mail. We bring it in. The, the. She said, great. I love that idea. And when I come back next week, why don't you go through this pile right here? And she says, I'm on it. I go back the next week. And not only was that pile not activated upon, but there were like piles in other places. And again, it just made me so curious. I would have done the pile of mail. I'm seeing this a lot and I'm seeing women talk about their anger, shame, frustration, depression, about the, about the clutter, about their space. And so I had joined the National Association of Organizing and Productivity Professionals, NAPO, and I earned certification as a professional organizer. But then I found this really great nonprofit called the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. And the ICD is where mental health professionals come together with professional organizers. And the learning and the research, it's fantastic. And so I availed myself to all their education because that's what I do. Became a subject matter expert in working with brain-based conditions like ADHD, depression, anxiety, and then moved, you know, parlayed that into working with people with special needs and abilities. So wheelchair users and people um, diagnosed with schizophrenic illness. When there's a crisis, you still need to be able to get to your keys. So how our brain is designed and how it's developed, some folks are really challenged, really, really challenged. And what I've come to understand is the part of our brain that 
uh, allows us to be tidy, neat and tidy, comes out of the executive function part of the brain. I think of my executive function as uh, a smart woman in a business suit, carrying a briefcase, getting Regina everywhere she needs to go on time, all the time, every time. And what I understand about that part of our brain is the executive function is how we, um, our relationship with time, our relationship with our emotions, our ability to sequence, plan, prioritize, task-oriented. My to-do list is pretty much always to done because I have a good internal clock. I have a good external clock. We talked a moment ago about this idea of time horizon. I can look ahead and plan ahead. Now that I have all this newfound knowledge, I'm sitting in rooms with my clients, and again, I'm still hearing that anxiety and that despair, and they're relating the mess to who they are as women. I'm like, ah, that was very distressing to me. And I remember sitting down on the floor with Sylvia, and she was very upset, and she saw the clutter as a failure. She thought she wasn't a good wife and mother. I had this moment of clarity and the light bulb went off and my women's history life came rushing back in. It's work. It's work. We call it women's work universally, globally. If you say the words women's work, everybody knows what you're talking about. That started me on the journey to publish and write, to write and publish emotional labor, why a woman's work is never done and what to do about it. And I brought to my table a a really wonderful thought leader in my industry named Judith Kohlberg. And she's an author and a coach. And um, she has a small press, squall press. In March and April of last year, I had been doing research on emotional labor for about three years. So I had tons of data. I actually right now on my Speaking of Clutter website, I have what's called the Emotional Labor Survey. So I'm still gathering data. March and April, I thought, okay, things are quiet, back up. Because I also have this really great professional organizing company. So things were a little quiet in March and April. And I, I said, it's time to code my notes. And when I work on my dissertation, coding my notes meant going through all of my research materials and putting pertinent information on um, four by six index cards. So I got my cards, I got my card box, sat down on my desk, I'm going to spend the day coding my notes. And I did. And then the next day I didn't. And the following day I didn't. And I thought, "Mm, trouble in paradise. I'm not getting to this. So I called Judith Kohlberg. I said, hey, I'd love for you to coach me from inside the back cover, inside the front cover to inside the back cover. And we developed this amazing relationship, very collaborative. And now she's, she's my collaborator. We put her on the title of the book. I was congrats. 63 the day I got my copy in the mail. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> it was a great, great day. Yes. <laughs> That's how I got into it. <laughs> no, that is wonderful. Oh my goodness. We have so many areas that we overlap too. I was listening to some of your YouTube videos and I feel like there's a couple things that I want to get out there right away. The whole debunking the thought that if somebody's, it goes back to, you were mentioning how women feel like they can be a failure if their house doesn't look how it should be and how people can feel like they're lazy. And you had said, 
I don't believe in lazy that that's, so I want you to talk on that because I think that transfers over into fitness too, or food or weight gain, weight loss. People feel like I'm not lazy. I'm trying. I just have to your point, those factors, these things that we're up against these brain barriers. So talk on that for a minute. Yeah. I think there are brain barriers. We are not raised to be very curious about ourselves. We live in a culture that band-aids everything. You know, we live in a culture where everybody says, oh gosh, it's Monday. Thank goodness it's Friday. Without even examining what the hell that really means. (laughs) I think that we don't have a sense of curiosity, which blends with how we speak to ourselves. So I didn't do this because I'm lazy. I didn't do this because I have no time. Just a second on the time factor. If you're not dead, you have time. What you're not doing is prioritizing, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But again, be curious about why that is. So when I think about lazy, I think, well, are you the right person for the job? Is this this really feeling like it's outside your skill level? Is it painful? Is it going to evoke memories? I mean, is it, you know, be curious about why you're using the word lazy. Are you tired? It's okay to be tired. Did you have enough rest, nutrition? Is your blood sugar low? I mean, get to a knowing. Become more known to yourself rather than band-aid your answers with lazy, no time, I'm a failure, there's something wrong with me, without doing any kind of internal or personal investigation. So I I think that there's always a, a deeper underlying reason for why we don't want to activate on something, become more curious about it. Just become more curious. I worked with a woman, I work with a lot of women who say, I don't know why I bought that. Well, become curious about it. Did you have a fight with your partner? Did you have FOMO, fear of missing out if you don't have that thing? Just acknowledge it. Get a knowing, become more known to yourself. That's good. Yes. Let's let's take a specific example too, because you mentioned you do work with ADHD, this executive function. Can you give an example of a breakdown for an ADHD type mindset trying to get through a task at home, trying to get, you mentioned piles and the piles not being touched. Give an example of why that matters for the person listening going, why does that matter if that person has ADHD? Well, one of the hallmarks of ADHD is, is getting things done in a timely way. Uh, that's, that's a real challenge. And what I've noticed is that we don't look at any of the tasks that we want to accomplish at home. Everything is a project. And every project has a linear sequence of getting to the end result. So everybody says, I've got to do laundry, laundry, sort, wash, dry, fold, put away. Mm -hmm. Each one unto itself is a step to the end result. It's not just laundry. It's not just filing. It's not just doing dishes. It's not just signing consent forms. It's not just, you know, the things that we have to do or that we want to do are not isolated. Everything, I I look at my whole life as one big project management plan. So it wasn't just getting online with you at 7 a.m. my time because of how I operate. I like a good two hours before I have to be present to somebody else. So I was up at five, which is what I do. 
I need my journaling time, my coffee time, my computer time. I sit in my horizontal office for an hour in bed. I'm still in bed in my horizontal office. That's how I connect with my day. So it's not just I got to be online with Lindsay at seven. It's a project to manage. And in, and for me to arrive at this podcast recording at 7 a.m., there were things that I had to do in order to arrive here for my comfort level. I could have come, like you said earlier, I could have come skating in, you know, <laughs> hopefully my hair looks okay, but, but it's, it's a project. And so when we're tackling things at home, when we're, when we're angry and frustrated because we're not getting to something, the project also requires a good relationship with time. I'm going to go back to laundry because I hear people say I do. I have to do the laundry all the time. Knowing how long it takes you to sort, knowing how long it takes you to sort, wash, dry, fold, put away, having an understanding of how long it takes you to do anything. Most folks with ADHD do not have that sense of um, time. And often they don't know how long it takes them to do something. And so it's very hard to plan a project such as filing, such as um, laundry and other household tasks. So the visual is sort, wash, dry, fold, put away. Between sort and wash, there's what we call the transition time. So you may get it sorted and the phone rings. You look at kittens on Facebook. You get distracted. You procrastinate. And then you're like, oh, I need to throw it in the wash. And you throw it in the wash and the, the transition time between wash and dry more opportunity for chaos you know? yeah. and, and things. So, so again, it's, it's the planning of it. It's becoming more known to yourself and your relationship with time. You know, I, I keep going back to that understanding as become more curious about yourself. If it's a challenge out there in there for you, ask yourself why I, become a drone and start hovering above you and around you like, what the hell is Regina doing in here today? <laughs> Without labeling, judging, or resenting, that's big because my relationship to the thousands of women I've, I've taught as a community college professor that I work with, there's so much um, negative uh, head trash, just lousy messages that we give to ourselves from I'm lazy, I'm stupid. So again, it all starts with that sense of curiosity. Don't label, judge, or resent. Just go, oh, wow, maybe we shouldn't look at Facebook on our way to the dryer. You know what I mean? It's, it's okay. <laughs> okay, I'm hearing process out of you a lot and that we can process everything in our life. And I'm disappointed I didn't get a chance to read your book before we were on live today together because I'm guessing that your book, you know, leads people through how to start processing, how to give us an idea of how someone should utilize your book to simplify life more or to process life more. Great question. The book is very new. So this is a, this is a good question to start my um, book launch journey. So how to start. If you're living with another adult and you feel really aggravated and put upon that, you know, I'm tired of it everything being on my shoulders and your partner in a very loving way says, how can I help? And you're like, ah, just take it on. What does this help? When we say help, that means it's your responsibility. I'm going to help you. It's like, why is it my responsibility? Because it's women's work. We're going to move away from that. So how do you start with the other adult? 
Honestly, I think I would say the two adults go into a separate room and write down everything they believe they do in the household. Everything. Don't hold back. If it's matching socks, if it's um, doing the laundry, whatever the tasks are. And a lot of the tasks are visible. More tasks, I believe, are invisible. The invisible tasks have to do with the process, the planning, the getting ready to noticing what needs to be done. Noticing is a huge skill when it comes to making observations about what's going on in our lives and the things that we want to change. So to start with, if you're living with somebody and you're aggravated, go off into separate rooms and just don't hold back, write down everything that you believe that you do that contributes to the management of the household. Because household management is not unlike corporate management. The same skills that you need in the C-suite, which have value and wages and understanding of delegation and hierarchy, those same components and skills in the C-suite are absolutely required in household management. But we look at household management as women's work, a labor of love. So starting the conversation with the other adult as who's doing what, then compare, have that conversation. <laughs> right. In unpaid work, I know you mentioned that as well, like unnoticed, unwaged, unwritten, undervalued type work. It all still needs to get done and yeah. the communication's not good and all these starter steps that you're talking about, the, the groundwork that all of a sudden we end up frustrated, burnt out, you know, that can lead to relationship issues, all of it. So you're kind of starting people back at the beginning going, hang on, here's where the groundwork's laid. And now we can open up conversation around it. I, I was with a client yesterday. Seriously, I was with a client yesterday. And she said, no one told me what to even expect. And I said, oh, and I pulled out the book and I said, I have in the book what's called the emotional labor life cycle. And it starts with the first kiss. Who's going to remember and document that? Remembering the first kiss or the first date begins our emotional labor journey with our partner. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's lovely. It's something to celebrate the following year. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the work of emotional labor it becomes a burden to women because they're the ones who are doing it. So the emotional labor life cycle is this chart that helps couples find themselves. Oh, we just had a baby. What's coming up? How are we going to handle holidays, kin work? Um, at what age is the child going to be when we start delegating their chores? I think a really important component in all of this is how to help each other acknowledging that noticing what needs to be done is a really com important component to all of this. Yeah. And if you're not raised to notice, you have to learn to notice. I don't think the female adult in the couple should teach you to notice. If noticing is a skill, develop the skill, mm -hmm. figure it out, because you will end up with a lousy relationship or divorce. So noticing is a skill, having these conversations, seeing where you are in your own life cycle with the other adult in the household. And again, I don't mean for this to always be 
on women, but I do know that the majority of the work in the household continues to reside with women. And I do hear a lot, but things have gotten so much better. And I think, well, what is the statistical relevancy of that? Because we still need books like I'm producing. <laughs> yeah, I can see your book. It reminds me a lot of our, our pastor gave us, it was called Languages of Love. I'm sure you've heard of it before when we were first getting married and just really being able to acknowledge each other's language of love and how to speak to each other that way. And I could see your book at the same time of life coming in, just at that important phase of whether, like you said, first kiss yeah. dating, that your book needs to land in their lap so that you can start to have those conversations around life cycles and what, yeah, what that's going to bring and how can we already talk about it so that when we're in it and we're frustrated, that's not the time to start thinking about it and talking about it. It feels too late at that point. You know, it needs to be preemptive. Let's bring this up because this is kind of fun. You got to go on the A&E television series, Hoarders. People with a hoarding disorder are chronically disorganized. And it's about statistically five to 7% of the population globally. But people who are chronically disorganized don't necessarily have a hoarding disorder. Chronic disorganization occurs when our executive function is tweaked or compromised Mm -hmm. because it's the executive function that keeps things linear and timely and in order. So I get a lot of calls from people. I'm just like the show. I'm afraid I'm going to be like the show. My mother is like the show. I don't want to be like my mother. And what I see more often than not is not hoarding per se. I just see a big mess because the person has a lousy relationship with time and planning and sequencing. And and then depression will set in or depression is already there. Mm -hmm. And depression knocks you off your executive function, when I see depression, when I see, you know, right brain creatives are painting a beautiful sunset, but there's a stack of bills that need to be paid. I'll get to it later. What I see is that the amygdala hijacked the executive function. <laughs> it's like, no, we're going to paint, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's always later and someday. Right this second is later. We're living later right this moment. Oh, Sunday just happened. By not giving our projects that time frame, that barrier, uh, we're going to we're going to be in a world of hurt when it comes to clutter. But hoarding is, is hoarding is. You know, sometimes I wonder if hoarding wasn't medicalized, would it be a problem? Severity. And, and I've been in places where no person should live here, and yet they do. Severe, squalor, awfulness, bugs. Right. Uh, but just before that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, on, a, on a lighter note, though, I feel like <laughs> let's talk about your company because, the, you know, there's always extremes on either side. But yeah. you're, you're going into people's homes, and this is the everyday person who just needs some some start, some jump off points of like, I would like for this place to look cleaner. How do I get it there? How do I, so what does your company do? Take us from start to to finish of a project. I get a call. Then I ask for pictures or I do a site visit and I come up with the recommendations. I'll step back and say most professional organizers in the United States, the majority of them are one woman shops. It's one organizer spending one-on-one time with her client I 
have um, big lofty goals. And so over 13 years, I've developed a, a, a good size company. I currently have 14 employees. So when I see, when I see the big mess, I'll say, okay, to get to your goal, we discussed their goals. I want to park the car in the garage. I would love to have a place for my kids to do their crafting projects and toys and um, we're sharing, my husband and I are sharing an office and it's just chaotic in there. So I'll say, okay, we can get to your goals. Um, two people, three days, four people, five days, whatever I see, I make recommendations. So a, a, um, a popular combination is two to three organizers for two to three days. We walk in, we do a complete tour of the house, asking the client, where do you think you'd like to end up at the end of this day? What would you love to have access to? And we, we hear the goal. So it's like, I want access. Um, my kitchen is horrible. The island has never been cleared. And we want the living room back. Because in houses with children, I've noticed that kids' stuff take over the entire house. It's everywhere. It's a matter of what you're bringing through the front door. It's a matter of telling parents, telling grandparents and well-meaning friends and relatives, we need experiences. We don't need stuff. There's so many layers to how we control this. So we get in there and this happened yesterday. I, I happen to, I'm not in the field very much, but this particular client had ADHD and, and in our phone conversation, she was really, really struggling. And so I wanted to lead the team yesterday so I can begin that kind of coaching and helping her think differently about her stuff. What do I notice? I notice that they feel better if somebody is giving them permission to let something go. When we declutter, we bring everything out, open, see the light of day. And once stuff is out of its natural habitat, it looks really, really different. So one tip or strategy for any DIY projects Start with something benign like the junk drawer. And then, of course, I'm going to say, if it's, a, if it's junk, why are you putting it in a drawer? Start with something benign. Time yourself. How long is it going to take you to get the junk drawer done? Five minutes. Put a timer on it. It's moving through the process. Open the drawer, dump it, and spread everything out. If you're going to do your bedroom closet, make the bed or put an old sheet or towel down Take clothes out of the closet, lay them on the bed, take them out of their, take them out of the closet. Doing the work goes quicker if you have an accountability partner, truly and really. The accountability piece in decluttering is huge. That's why people call in professionals. Not only are we holding them accountable to their goals, they're, they're paying us a, a, a good chunk of change to do this. And I know people are going to have questions about um, how to pay for this. So there's ways to find people like me. Go to the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. It's napo, N-A-P-O dot, napo.net. And you will put in your zip code and you can find a me all over the country. Nice. Truly, you can find a me all over the country. And if there's nobody in your area that are, there are organizers doing virtual organizing. If you are dealing with these brain-based conditions, that you live with depression, that you have like a generalized anxiety disorder, that you've been diagnosed with ADHD or executive function disorder, my recommendation is to go to the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. And it's challengingdisorganization.org. 
put in your zip code and you'll find an organizer that's also trained in working with, with people with these brain-based conditions. When you're dealing with a NAPO person or an ICD person, uh, the fees there will be between 75 and $250 an hour, depending on the level of professionalism work that you need, but you can be guaranteed that they are abiding by a code of ethics and a code of conduct and that they have, that they have insurance, that they have businesses, that you have recourse should something go awry uh, because heck we're in your underwear drawer. You know, we're seeing a lot of stuff that no one has ever laid eyes on before And a good organizer will also have a good list of resources for you. So part of the emotional labor book is how to take some of the weight off your shoulders through the art and practice of delegation. And one of the things I've noticed in all this research, a lot of people are loath to delegate or are afraid to delegate. They don't trust the process. And I call myself the the Q, QOD, the queen of delegation. I delegate everything. If I could delegate someone washing my hair, I would. I guess I could. But I, I, I delegate anything that I don't want to do. I have this particular skill set. Right. Don't and staying in your lane of things yeah. that you rock it out on. Yes. And yeah. delegate things. I love that. I heard that out of an entrepreneur podcast one time to fire yourself from everything that's not within <laughs> your scope of love. You know, that sometimes we have to get started and do everything, but as we move along further in our journey. Yeah. 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 I love that. Fire yourself. That's because when, when the two adults in the house make their list of all the things that they do, you got to start firing yourself from somebody and either delegate it or drop it. You know, right. not everything has to be done, but we live in a culture that says you should be. I'm sure you tell your clients a lot. Don't shoot on yourself. Yes. Because <laughs> and speaking of delegating, I love that you walked us all through the process of home organization and that there's companies out there doing it, individuals out there doing it because It is like grabbing, like it's delegating again in these areas that are consuming mental space and time. And it's tangible to get somebody to come into our home and help us declutter. You don't have to look at that and stress about it. It's that next step forward, you know, moving that the ticker forward as far as getting to be able to go work out because now you're not staring at a pile. It it is worth its weight in gold to pay that person to come in and take something off your plate that feels so hard. Do you wish that you could have, like, once you go in and you really, you do the declutter, have you gone back to those houses? Do you have some people who kind of keep you coming back in, call it bi-monthly or quarterly, just to hold a maintenance phase? Like, is it hard for people to maintain what you've gone in and corrected? If they could maintain cleared space, I would never have met them. So the process is... Once the space is clear, I have them on my calendar to call in 30 or 60 days. Like, how's it looking there? Because my team can transform any space. Yesterday, the client and three organizers worked for eight hours, which was 36 hours. 
it was 36 hours of hands-on work. Um, we transformed from the living, it was a, like, it was like a galley house from the living room to the, from this wall to that wall, it's transformed. Four bags of donations, five bags of trash. We did it like that. In order to maintain a transformed space, our clients only have to transform everything about how they behave, what they observe, how they act. So it's a process. And it starts by being a drone. The client that we worked with yesterday, I'll be putting her on my calendar. Um, The team is coming back on Thursday to do another area of the house. I talked with her yesterday. I said, when the team leaves on Thursday, your, your role is to start hovering above you and around you. Just observe what the hell you're doing there. Observe why, now that you have this big, clear island in the middle of your kitchen, become aware of when you're putting things on it that you don't want there. Again, without labeling, judging, or resenting yourself, without kicking yourself in the butt. That's huge. I had a business coach um, early, early on, and this has been on my desk forever. It says no head trash. I can completely destroy my day by telling myself I'm an idiot because I didn't do something and I am not going to go there. So maintaining cleared space requires um, a deep sense of curiosity, mindfulness, uh, an awareness of what you may need to maintain it, an awareness to understand where your skills are in, in household management and where they're not. Um, more and more people are um, delegating laundry to a laundry service because of the time management piece of their lives. Once the folded clothes come back, you have to build into your day when they're going to be put away. Again, that's a process. So you may do it the first day. I'm so excited. Look at all this clean laundry. I'm putting everything away. Two weeks later, the laundry, put it over there. I, I'm on the phone. Da, da, da. Now it's dinner time and it'll sit. And then at some point we'll start getting dressed from the living room sofa. Everything's so much deeper and more, yeah. more layers, like you keep saying, than we give credit for. So yeah. for yeah. the individual out there, the basic layer is that we're not lazy. There's there's something else going on. Build the insight around it, then build the process around it and know that there are hireable people, professionals out there that can be part of your journey, that can expedite your process. I think we always get stuck in this headspace of like, why would I pay somebody? Why would I pay somebody to work me out when I can, I already know how to work out. Why would I pay someone to clean my house when I know how to clean my house? Why would I pay someone to organize when I know it's just a matter of me sitting aside the time to go organize because it's the accountability piece. It's the fact that we'll do it and that we can start to work through all those layers of why it's not happening in the first place. So you broke that down so beautifully. I love that. You and I, our work is so similar. As you said, I tell people the reason why we have so much success for the, with our clients is that the team shows up at nine and the client opens the door at nine and then that can begin. I want to say something about um, affording delegating because a lot of, I can't afford this. Uh set your price point and trust that you will find the right person. 
when I started a clear path, I did everything. And the first thing I delegated was bookkeeping because I cannot add a column of numbers. And I delegated it to my former partner, my former domestic partner, Linda, who does data, you know, uh, input, output. She does a good profit and loss statement. And I just gave it to her. Then I delegated the website and I, and I found Barb who at that time, 13 years ago was charging me $35 an hour. Um, But Barb charged me $35 an hour at a time when other website designers were charging $75 to $85 an hour. Do you know what I mean? And so I trusted that I could find what I need. And as I became more successful, I'm paying more and I'm finding. So now I have a new bookkeeper, a new CPA. Um, Barb is still my website developer after 13 years. Somebody kind of pushed back with me the other day and she goes, oh, trust. That's so airy fairy. I'm like, but you have to start with the trust. Right. And then you put out your feelers and then you ask your friends, you know, who are you using? What do you right now? I'm in, I'm in looking for a publicist for my book. I have a price point in my head. Now I may stay with that. I may go higher. I may find somebody lower, but I have a number in my head that I'm going to go for. And now I'm just doing interviews with people to find out what they have to offer and what their price points are. But again, I'm not walking around going, oh, I can't afford a publicist because they charge $7,000 a month and there's no ROI. Well, find the one. You know what I mean? It's like, take the time. You can tell you've worked with coaches before that you are a coach in your profession with your clients that there's just, it comes back to processes. And I even heard you talk (laughs) about this, A, B, C, D, E, F all need to happen. And people really get caught between the A and the F part and then skip all the process. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You are so spot on, Lindsay. You said it. I listened to you. (laughs) Here's A. I want to get to F. And then I might just go right up to G and just forget, you know, B through E. You know, it's like, stop that. Do the process. Work your way through. Have faith and trust in it, which is what made me think of that. It's the trust of work the process and then the next door will open. Can you send, I want to respect your time and I everything will be in the show notes, but can you send our listeners off with just one last bit of wisdom? I know we've already gotten a lot from you today. My big game changer many years ago, my understanding of control. And the only thing I can control on the planet, in my life, in my relationships is my perception of the thing. Mm-hmm. I cannot control anything. So I control my perception. And if I think I'm a loser, I'm a loser. And if I think I'm lazy, I'm lazy. And if I think I'm awesome and smart and can, you know, kick butt and get stuff done, I will do that. <laughs> you know, so it's, good. It's all perception. I think everything is perception mm-hmm. and and how your listeners are perceiving what i'm saying how i'm perceiving what i'm saying they may they may cross against each other but they also may land together but my control of my thoughts yes no beautifully stated and i agree it does it all comes back to our to our thoughts and you nailed it so thank you thank you so much for joining us today so much for having me thank you for joining me today this topic served any purpose for you or you can picture that exact person who needed this i'm always honored when you share the episode 
We are making 2022 the year that we are going to pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also always appreciate it when you leave a review on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open-minded to new information, keeping that open mind to the idea that our journey will look different now, five years from now, slow and steady, y'all. It's not always instant gratification and not always that exciting, but a much gentler and redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all the years and every season of life. Cheers to health and happiness.